1: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 79 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Brulanski, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat, currently sporting an LA Kings hat. How's it going over there, buddy?
2: Good. Uh, Everyone's favorite or least favorite prodigal son just got sent to the Kings today. That's why I'm wearing this hat. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I figured it was and of course you're mentioning Oli Mata being traded for the second time in two years now he's headed to LA at least he'll have some better weather so he can lay out on whatever terrace that he gets in his apartment with no shirt on and pass out with his jerseys next to him.
2: How, how long into the season before we hear is Ole Mata a better defenseman than Drew Doughty?
1: Hopefully never Ooh,
2: yeah, really
1: Mainly because I don't really want to hear about the LA Kings at this point
2: Oh, Alright, that's fair Uh, Other than that, though, doing good. I watched your guys' After Hours last night. I watched Mm -hmm. part of it, at least most of it, a little bit in the beginning. Uh, We have a new Nick in the network.
1: We do. Nick Floor from the Stick Hungry podcast covering the San Jose Sharks.
2: Uh, So there's three of us now, unless I'm missing one that I don't know.
1: I don't think there's another one. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Being the operative, (laughs) operative word there is yet.
2: Yeah. And, uh... That was a good episode. If anyone has the time, go find it, go listen to it. It's on YouTube now. It's where I watched it uh, mm-hmm. this this week. And, yeah, I was just really tired last night and just didn't have the energy to hop on. Plus, I had to work this morning, so.
1: Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. We have a stacked show for you guys today. Of course, recent news for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They re-signed goaltender Tristan Jari, which is big news. That also means that somebody... Might be getting traded here in the near future. Also, we're going to talk about expectations for the Pens next season, as well as an interview that we did with a new contributor here on the Hockey Podcast Network, Brad Lee, who is a former NHL player and played over 800 professional hockey games in his career. So we'll have that discussion with him coming up and, of course, finishing it off with Penn's poll and shout outs and call outs. But let's get into the leading story of this week for the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Penguins re-signing Tristan Jari to a contract that will run three years at a $3.5 million average annual value. Horwat, what are your thoughts on this signing?
2: It's exactly what we wanted. It's exactly what we were all expecting. Um, It is step one in what I believe is a two-step process in selecting our goalies for next season, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think your tweet said it best. It's, what did you say, a year longer and cheaper?
1: whether or not this was an actual reporting that this is actually what they were asking, but it was reported that Tristan Jari's camp wanted a two-year deal, $4 million average annual value. So we got him for an extra year, which walks him through his first year of unrestricted free agency. And we got him for a little bit cheaper at three and a half instead of four. So every penny counts right now for general general manager, Jim Rutherford. So I think he did a really good job with this signing. And I think it's a, it's a bridge deal and it's really Tristan Jari. Okay, you had an all-star season last year. Let's see what you can do in the next three years, and if he does do that well, that's going to mean something pretty big for him in three years' time.
2: Mm-hmm. It's the type of deal goalies should be signing, considering how just volatile they can be, and just mm-hmm. how, like we saw, Sergei Bobrovsky, two-time Vesno winner, signed a signed a king's ransom in Florida, and do absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. to the point where ownership said you need to cut exactly his amount of salary (laughs) off the budget so it's the kind of deal that's good for a goalie organization wise because you never know what's going to happen with goalies they could be for all we know jari could fall off the face of the earth next season and we're screwed we're hoping that doesn't happen and we don't think it will but that is just how goalies are they're interesting they're strange creatures it's damn near impossible to get a read on him but for now if we're predicting Jari to be what he's supposed to be it's a great deal for us and it's perfect because it's not 80,000 years
1: the important thing with the years though is if he was asking for two that would have put the penguins in a really interesting predicament because in two seasons the list of names of players that are going to be up in contract and yes they still could get extended before they reach free agency or restricted free agency but listen to these four names That are going to be contracts up at that season if Jari were to take two years instead of the three. Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, those two are UFAs. Kasperi Kapanen and Jared McCann are both RFAs. And then Chris Letang is also a UFA. So this at least gets us past that year. till we have to worry about our contract with Tristan Jari again. So that'll be in three years time. That'll be the same time that Jason Zucker's deal ends. And that'll be five and a half million that either you can take off the books with Jason Zucker and help pay for Tristan Jari if he earns a raise at that point. But again, that's a problem for three years down the road, but it is nice to know that we won't have to worry about signing a goaltender who could end up commanding a good raise here. The same time we have to resign Malkin, Rust, Kapanen, McCann, all those names. So this is really important for Rutherford that he got this for three years instead of two.
2: It is. It's, it's a good deal. Cause for all we know, By how things are going this team could look way different in in that final year that third year we could be discussing a team that doesn't have Malkin that doesn't have Letang on it that who knows may have gotten some sort of return for a rust trade or this team could be a completely different team in the next couple of years it's something to look out for it's something that Josh Yoey I believe it was wrote about our window closing in the athletic and he said it's Basically got two years, because after that, we don't know what the hell is going to happen exactly.
1: At that point, we might even actually have a first-round pick to make in three years' time. So we'll see, of course, with all of that. I think the Penguins did a good job in making sure that they had Tristan Jari signed now. The focus goes on to trading Matt Murray, I would imagine so. And realistically, I'm not sure what the market is for Matt Murray right now. It's going to be really hard to find him, because you have all these unrestricted free agent goalies and you have these other goalies that are on the trade market that actually have contracts and you don't have to worry about salary arbitration or anything like that. So it's going to be an interesting stretch here for the next week to three weeks to see if Jim Rutherford can move Matt Murray.
2: It seems like it's going to happen. I mean, there was a tweet or something. I forget what it was that said, uh, other NHL GMs don't look at Jack Johnson the same way fans do. That is a good sign to yeah, start. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> um, but that's a good sign for one. And, I mean, Jack Johnson's one of those guys that he's had a hell of a story off the ice that he, I, every time I say something, I feel a little bad about it. Every time I feel like say something shitty about Jack Johnson on the ice, I feel a little bad because he's gone through some shit. But, I mean he's not a great player and I hope for the best hope the hope for the best for him off the ice wise. And, you know, if he goes somewhere else, I wouldn't mind seeing him be at least a little successful and being a good hockey player. Again, it's, it sucks seeing that his career went downhill. Cause like I said, he was a, I mean, he was a number three overall pick. Mm-hmm. We got to remember that. And, you know, you just hope for the best for the guy off the ice, but as for on the ice, damn it, it's time for him to go.
1: Speaking of that draft, Last week, Bobby Ryan was bought out by the Ottawa Senators, so what would you think about possibly having the first, second, and third overall pick from the 2005 draft on one team?
2: That'd be so damn interesting, because Bobby Ryan's not a terrible player yet. yet. He
1: wouldn't be awful as a third-line guy, right? especially if it's league minimum.
2: Absolutely. I don't hate it, but I don't know what his speed looks like, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm looking at every ac- accusation we make as speed and age like that's what i'm looking at here younger faster younger faster that's what we've been like hard pressed to like look at into this Mm offseason as for younger we know he's not younger as for faster i don't know his speed exactly maybe he's got legs under him still but i don't know how i feel about that one exactly that's a hard one
1: Since we've gone down the rabbit hole of people that have been bought out and the younger, faster thing. Now, he might not be younger, but also Michael Grabner was bought out by the Arizona Coyotes. So what would you think about possibly? I mean, he's a speed demon himself, and I don't know. He had some finish a couple years ago. He had a rough season this year, but... As a bottom six guy, I'm not necessarily sure I hate it all that much. Again, depending on the contract, it yeah. has to be either league minimum or $1 million. You can't afford to pay a guy like Michael Grabner or take a chance on a guy like Michael Grabner if he's going to anchor down your salary cap. But I honestly don't hate the move if it is for the right number. And I also don't want him to sign more than a year, maybe two years. It would be pushing it. But again, if it's two years, it needs to be at exactly league minimum.
2: Michael Grabner's an interesting one because I feel like he would request way more than what you're thinking. Would is he still worth over like two, three, four million dollars?
1: Uh let me check really quickly what it was, yeah, what was he making? for the coyotes. I'll look that up real quick on what, Cat Friendly. What were the but Coyotes I
2: mean, not sending him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let me look right here. Buyout history. Michael Grabner. I mean, this year, the Coyotes will have to pay him $833,000, and next year, $1.2 million. It was a $3.35 million AAV.
2: Really? Okay.
1: I... And that was—he also got bought out, so he's getting paid yeah. by the Coyotes right now. So we think, but— I. Well, but that's he's supposed not to be running. getting paid by the Arizona Coyotes right now. I don't know. I just don't think that I would hate that. If it's for the right price. I
2: think I would like that one for the right price more than I would Bobby Ryan. There's less question marks with that. Bobby Ryan, you're like, it's it's a good player, yeah, but we've seen him just take a f- severe decline. Now, maybe his recent issues off the ice changing, maybe that can play a role. Mm-hmm. Maybe like he has a turnaround. But for now, I think the way I look at it is Grabner is at least less question marks. So I think I would okay. like Grabner more than a bobby ryan but either way like i said bobby ryan not as much grabner you hit me with the right price I'm, I'm listening
1: let's talk a little bit about the expectations for the pittsburgh penguins next year i mean let's first look at overall what do you expect from the pittsburgh penguins i get that they want to get younger and faster but is that something that you can see happening and do you see the pittsburgh penguins being able to once again be the class of the metropolitan division or top three what are you what are your thoughts as of right now i know there's a lot of moves left to be made in this off season. I know that GMJR will never rest until his team is exactly where he wants it. And it's not there right now. So there's a lot of stuff that's going to happen. But as of right now, where do you see the Penguins being next year?
2: If the lineup shakes out the way I kind of want it to, uh, we're definitely not finishing number one in the division, just because Washington is still a regular season thing. And, Tristan Jari being the new number one is going to be a different role to fill for him I wouldn't expect the balls to the wall season he had last year to repeat itself but at least some success he'll definitely have some success this season so I would think maybe we're coming in at two or three in the division again same as we usually are just with a little more of a worriness to it it's not going to be like oh we're fine we're going to sit back and watch this. And I feel like this season is going to have a little bit more of a intensity to it because we've been shelled in the first round for two straight years. And because there's been so much just bullshit happening this season, how much changing there is, it's going to take a minute to regroup as a team and really get fresh legs out there. So it might take a minute, but it's, it's not going to be a sit back and just w- watch us go season. It's going to be a season where we're going to be doubted again, guaranteed. There's going to be those doubters, again, calling us not, like that are going to say we're not going to make the playoffs, that our windows closed, this, that, the other thing. It's going to be a season where we're once again trying to prove all that wrong to make the playoffs. And like I said, a second or third place finish I'll take, and it won't be an easy one, but it, but it will be a fun one at least. It'll be tense. It'll be interesting. It'll be playoff hockey all year long maybe. That's kind of the way I'm thinking about it.
1: It's going to be interesting depending upon whether or not they end up with the 82-game schedule or the 48-game schedule as we talked about a little bit last week. I mean, they're not a team that traditionally starts well in the first place. And that's even when you have a team that has played together, that has been able to have the chance to mesh. Now you're bringing in a lot of new players. You have Sevier joining the crew. You have Kapanen. You have Matheson as well. These guys, like you said, are going to take a little while to mesh, plus Tristan Jari getting used to being the guy. There's going to be some growing pains in that, almost definitely. So it's going to be a slow start. I think that's what you can expect by the Penguins, but I, I totally agree with you in that they're going to be in the top four in the division. The question is going to be if they can mesh fast enough to be able to get to that two seed, possibly contend for the one seed. But the issue that I see right now is the rest of the division is, is going to be really difficult to beat. The way I look at this right now, there's a lot of goaltending prospects out there in free agency and out there for trade. If Carolina can scoop one of them up, any of them, they will be a top three team. The Rangers, I'm not sure what they're going to do. They're going to be really good. They were pretty good this year. And people didn't really give them their due, but they're going to be really good next year, especially now that they finally figured out what they're doing in goaltending. And they're also adding Alexi Lafreniere, which of, co- of course I say it so many times, but it cannot be understated that this kid is not your run of the mill. Not not to say that Jack Hughes is run of the mill, but he is a step above the Jack Hughes and the Nico Heashiers. Not that they're bad players, but he's going to make an impact a lot quicker than those players have. So, it's going to be a tough division. And of course, you know what? The Capitals, they're there. Uh, it's going to be a tough division. I think the Penguins, like you mentioned, maybe two, maybe three. I could see them getting a wild card spot as the four seed. But the issue I have is whenever we talk about if there is Stanley Cup contender Horwath, do you see the Pittsburgh Penguins as they are now as a contender for the 2021 Stanley Cup? I believe serious so. contender, I should say.
2: I believe so. I mean, the easy answer is never count out Malkin and Crosby. Starting back uh, Yeah. At least Crosby. Never count him out. He'll carry a team anywhere he wants to go. But beyond that, I think if this, if this team gets built just the right way, and it's getting there, it's on its way to that, I think it's got a great opportunity at it again. I mean, we got those two years left with Malkin and Latang. at least. It is definitely something just to keep an eye on but yeah i think we still have a chance i I really don't have too many words on it other than i think we could still contend and it's gonna be up to malkin and crosby to still be the best players in the league and for you know the depth to figure it out but they can do it
1: they're going to make the playoffs next season. That There's not a doubt in my mind. You cannot count out Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin when it comes to getting the Pittsburgh Penguins into the dance. From where I'm at right now, from where I'm sitting looking at this team, and from looking at the performance that they have shown in the past two playoffs, I cannot in good conscience call them a serious Stanley Cup contender right now. That's Prove fine. me wrong, please. I'd love yeah. that. But this past playoffs what happened against Montreal the year before, what happened against the Islanders. Even the year prior to that, they didn't look all that great against the Washington Capitals. And yeah, they beat the crap out of the Philadelphia Flyers in the first round, but that Philadelphia Flyers team was prematurely in the playoffs at that point. They were not ready for the playoffs. They just, they got in and good on them, but they were not ready for the playoffs. Now, the issue I have here is, with people that are like, well, it's Sidney Crosby, it's Evgeny Malkin, you can never count them out in the Stanley Cup race yeah, I, I I think I can when I've looked at the past two seasons and I look at the fact that they are now older than they've ever been. Clearly, that's how math works and that's how the world works. 34 and 33 years old, respectively. No, they're not a serious Stanley Cup contender until I can see them do it in the playoffs again. And you can say, yes, well, you know what? In 2017, they won the Stanley Cup. How do you not give that? Well, OK, in 2017, the Ottawa Senators were also in the Eastern Conference Finals. We see what two years can do to an NHL organization. So until they can prove me wrong, I'm not going to be able to stick my flag with them as serious Stanley cup contenders playoff appearance. Most definitely, most definitely they will make the playoffs, but to go through that Stanley cup playoff, I don't, I can't say that they're a serious contender there.
2: I can, and I will, but I get where you're coming from. I understand it. I mean, I've been understanding it for the past couple seasons. We haven't looked the same, Mm -hmm. but it's just a matter of everything coming together. I think by the time a postseason comes, if we get a shorter season, I don't think there'll be any stopping us because we'll be hitting a stride midseason for sure. Yeah. I'll start there. That's a weird way of looking at things, but,
1: and I don't know how to go into detail on it. I mean, usually if you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins from games, roughly like 50 to 70 is when they're really good. Traditionally, they're fantastic in March in regular traditional seasons, which is about those games, 50 to 70 and into the 70s and almost 80s. So that's when they usually play their best. And that's when the playoffs would be taking place in this season. So I get where you're coming from with that. Again, I just need to see it. I need to see the success in playoffs to be able to say, you know what? I think I could take you seriously as a Stanley Cup contender. Did he, did anybody take Dallas seriously as a Cup contender this year until they went out and beat Colorado.
2: I don't think even after then Vegas was coming in very futile.
1: They were, but at the same time, you still had a confidence in the Dallas stars. I'll put it a different way. Did anybody think the New York Islanders were a Stanley cup contender off of long Island on long Island? I get it. They're very loyal, but anybody not on long Island, did they really think the Islanders were a serious contender when they beat the Florida Panthers?
2: I think I did a little bit. I don't have to keep, just keep shitting on you, but I
1: no, think, I mean no, that's your opinion. This that that's fine. Yeah, I like, think I literally, did a little. Disagree, bit. please.
2: I didn't have them. I didn't think they'd go to the finals. But that's what we're talking about. Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, I thought they'd at least go far and put up a fight for making it there. So I think they were more of a contender than we than a lot of people give them credit for. But no, I get where you're coming from. Uh, it's. That would have been a hard pick to make because it's the Islanders, because they don't play a flashy style of hockey, and you're not usually talking about them being great a great team. But they ended up being, you know, fairly good team.
1: Yeah, and I mean the way I'm looking at this is the reason I didn't take them as a serious Stanley Cup contender until they beat the Philadelphia Flyers in the second round. I didn't think they had a chance against Philly, and guess what? I was wrong. But until that happened, the reason I didn't think so previous playoff performances. The last year, yes, they swept the Pittsburgh Penguins, but then they got swept by the Carolina Hurricanes. I I didn't take them seriously until they beat Philadelphia, and that's the way I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins this next season. Yes, I do believe they will easily make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do I think that they will get through the first round, second round, be a serious contender? I have to see it. I have to see them win a first-round series, and I have to see them get out of the gate really well in the second round And it has to be the way they're playing that can convince me that this team has what it takes to be a serious Stanley Cup contender.
2: And I agree with that. I'm not going to disagree with you on that because it is just a matter of us looking good. We have to do that.
1: I think now is a great time to go over to our conversation that we had with Brad Lieb, the newest contributor here on the Hockey Podcast Network with his new show, the Life After Hockey Podcast. So we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll have Brad Lieb. This episode of The Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools... For your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as i am can see what they're doing if you are listening to me you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and you too can experience it firsthand get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code thpn at manscaped.com again that's code thpn for 20 percent off and free shipping at manscaped.com trust me your balls will thank you
0: hockey fights lifestyle and tales from a first round draft bust We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
1: We are pleased to be joined by the newest host on the Hockey Podcast Network, a man who has played over 800 professional hockey games, including a few stints in the NHL. Is that good? I think that's pretty good. The host of the newest must-listen Life After Hockey podcast here on the network. Welcome to the show, Brad Lieb.
3: Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks for that intro. Super excited to be here.
1: Well, first and foremost, welcome to the show, and of course, welcome to the network. We're all very excited to have you on board. But my first question, of course, is how has your time been with the network? I know you're just getting your feet wet right now, but how has your experience been to this point?
3: It's been great. I, I'm definitely the the rookie on the block and I'm learning as I'm going. And I like we just kind of mentioned before we jumped on this call, like I, I I love how the network is supporting so many different markets and has so many different shows for any kind of listener and, and European listeners and you know women's uh perspective and it's just, it's a great network to be a part of, and and I see a lot of good things coming up for it.
2: Yeah, it's been great having you on, and uh, we've all we've all been rookies at some point in you know this whole podcasting world. But uh, your hockey career started in your hometown of Red Deer uh, with the Rebels in the WHL, and you just got to know what was it like representing your hometown team.
3: Yeah, it was definitely a privilege, and you know I remember going through the Bantam draft and and which is when you kind of find who's going to get your rights to your junior, what junior team is going to grab your rights. And, and I remember that day, I was thinking how fun it would be to like move away from home and to go somewhere else and, and kind of disappointed that Red Deer took me. And that's just, you know, I think I was 14 at the time. And, and, you know, as you kind of understand how that works and, and, so young and, and looking back, I'm just so grateful to have that extra time, extra time at home, extra time around friends and family and friends and family coming to all the games. So yeah, truly grateful for my time in red deer.
1: And after five seasons in red deer, I mean, you found a spot on the Syracuse crunch. What was the time between juniors and that next step to the AHL? Cause there, there had to be a little bit of uncertainty there no,
3: there, there was a lot. I mean, I I wasn't drafted. Um, I played the the World Juniors. Was fortunate enough to play for Canada at the World Juniors in 1999, and and I think that was that kind of opened up a couple doors for me to get some pro tryouts. And at the time, it was a choice between the LA Kings and the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks were they were open to they were going to give me a. a a spot at the main camp where LA was, okay you got to come to our rookie camp first. So, you know, you always want to go somewhere that you're you're wanted and and that there's, you know, better opportunity. I thought there's a little bit better opportunity to go to Vancouver. So, went to their camp and and yeah, landed an entry level deal and and my first year living away from home, I ended up in Syracuse, New York.
2: I mean, it's still such a great thing to do as, as a hockey player. Obviously, that is your dream, I'm sure. I, mean, I never played ice hockey myself but always thought maybe i could step in and make, make it to the nhl one day brilliance he played ice hockey for a long time and that was everyone's dream but you got to live it and it may not have been long but you have at least got to make you know the dream come true of your nhl debut and what do you remember about that day
3: well i yeah it, it was definitely a privilege and and you know i think you know everybody that kind of laces them up or maybe even even people that don't you want to play in the nhl and yeah, it'd be great to have a nice long career and win a Stanley cup. And, you know, looking back, you know, I, I actually accomplished what my boyhood dream was to, I want to play in the NHL and I made that happen. So I'm, I'm, uh, you know, fortunate that that happened and, you know, had, had a few cups of coffee in, in the show. Um, And it was, you know, exactly what you would think it would be like, you know, adrenaline's running through your body and you're skating out on the ice and all the fans are cheering. And, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're looking across the ice and you're playing against guys that you watched growing up and, and maybe even a few in the dressing room with you growing up. And, and it was just, it's just an amazing surreal experience. And so, yeah, I, I managed to get five games in the show. I had uh, four with the Canucks and one of those and one with the Leafs, but the one game I had I had one game with the Canucks uh, versus the Penguins in the old Igloo. Uh-huh. So that's kind of my connection with Pittsburgh. I had one of my five games was in Pittsburgh.
1: Well, you mentioned you did spend a little bit of time in the show. You said perfectly a couple cups of coffee. My one question that I do like to ask some players that have played in the show is, what is the most, I guess, the strangest autograph that you were asked to sign? Like anything that pops to mind that is just... Threw you off guard when they were like, "Oh, okay, I guess, yeah, sure." Like if it was in a weird place that they just were like, "Oh, you play in the show, yeah." I I I I had to sign.
3: You know, when people want an autograph like on their body, like on their skin, it's it's always kind of funny because it's gonna come off eventually, <laughs> you, know, and, you know. And you know, and I guess it's you know maybe spur of the moment, maybe uh, you know didn't have anything else to sign, but. I always thought that's kind of weird. It didn't happen very often, but maybe a couple times. And and yeah, I don't know. Maybe just went home and, and washed it right off. But 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 yeah, it's there, there is some strange requests, but it's always fun to kind of interact with the fans.
1: Fast forwarding a, a little bit in your career to 2007, you finished the season with the Toronto Marlies, and then decided to go and play in Europe in the DEL in Germany. How did that decision come about for you? And, and was it something that you'd been thinking about for a couple of years or did it just come up just like that?
3: Yeah. So my, my brother um, also played uh, professional hockey for, I think 15 years total. Um, he was part of the Edmonton Oilers organization, the Dallas stars organization. He played a couple games with the stars and then he went over to Germany quite early in his career and ended up playing like 10 years over in the DEL. So we were two years apart. So we never got to play um, with each other growing up in minor hockey or or junior. And we played against each other in junior, but we never got to play with each other on the same team. So that was very much part of the pull, like to go over to Europe, to have the opportunity to play on the same team as my brother. and, And he's a centerman and I'm a winger and, he shoots left and I shoot right. It was just a, a nice uh, fit for us to play together. And, and that finally prevent or, uh, presented the opportunity to, to to be on the same team. So, so yeah, I went over there and, and um, ended up playing four seasons with my brother in Nuremberg. And then right at the end of, of my career, we both went to Coventry um, in, in the UK to, to finish off our careers.
2: And during your time in Europe, you created the site betonhockey.com and just what was that site and what was your idea and where did it start from?
3: Yeah, that was, uh, it was a fun little venture. And it's funny that website still um, exists. Like I don't own the site. I ended up selling it off, but it still exists as, you know, the day that I sold it, The whoever, the person that bought it didn't do anything with it. And Uh, my, my wife was involved in the online gaming industry. So it was just, it was just kind of a fun fit to handicap hockey games, just to use your knowledge to maybe give tips to people that are actually betting on the game. So hockey handicapping isn't illegal and, and, and actually betting on the games is in some parts. So you're basically just sharing your knowledge of the game and, and insights and you know, it was it was a fun little little project. I had a, a couple um, other former players join me, and and we're we're handicapping games for for a couple of years, and 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 then it was just time to move on, and and ended up selling it.
1: Oh, there you go. Can always nice when you can make a payday out of an idea, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and 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 during. And during, yeah, exactly. Uh, the one question I did have, since you you played. Those couple of years in Europe, how different was the European game to the North American game? I mean, you came up, of course, you played in the CHL in juniors with Red Deer, as we mentioned, then you played so many years in the AHL and a couple cups of coffee in the NHL. And then you, if you make this switch. What are the biggest differences, at least for you? What were the biggest differences in moving over to that European style of play?
3: Yeah, definitely. the The first um, obvious difference is just this: the size of the ice is bigger in Europe. So you know, having to adjust to that, th- there's a lot more time and space. So you can't really play the same game as you do in North America, and and at the same time, uh, playing in Germany, the the German league has the most, um, and and it did at the time. I I think it still does, but the most. Uh, import players per team so you 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 end up having um, almost half the team is imports and half the team is germans and most of the imports are typically north american typically canadian so there's there's a real familiar uh, style of play because there's so many north americans over there so you know adjusting to the ice a little bit not so much and and and, uh, you know, just having the style of play, um, you know, the adjustment actually wasn't that uh, difficult or, or, or too big of a curve. I think, you know, if, if you're going to go over to a league like like Sweden or um, maybe the Swiss League, like there's a different style of play. There's a lot of puck possession and, you know, they don't like to dump and chase. And so that adds to a very different different games so germany was was very similar to to north america
2: how were some of the off ice differences between like north american hockey and european hockey like not just you know some of the guys you've played with but also like is there a big crowd difference like how do europeans handle hockey over there (laughs)
3: like they're at a soccer game
2: yeah that's (laughs) that's like when i picture just noise the entire time
3: totally totally It's, it's very much that mentality it's very much um you know chanting throughout the game and 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 even fans that will bring drums to the game and they'll come you know an hour early to set up all their stuff and you know just very diehard fans over there and and which makes it fun to play in front of a crowd like that um, and and yeah so it's you know you can kind of picture the soccer fan in, from the soccer stadium but but in a in a smaller ice rink
1: well, we really appreciate you joining us. Only have a couple questions left for you. I know we want to let you get back to your day, but the one big thing that you mentioned there that you, you played with your brother, and that's something that not a lot of people get to do. You know, you play with your brother in a professional league halfway across the world. Whenever you first stepped on the ice with him for your first game together, was there anything he said to you or you said to him or any jokes that you guys made to each other at that point? None
3: that I can remember. I I, I think you know i'm i'm i was fortunate i think to have him you know growing up so to have basically a built-in best friend as you're growing up playing hockey and and interested in the same thing and you know to compete with and push each other and so we're very familiar with each other even though we didn't actually play on the same line before so you know i think it was just you know just the the excitement of you know wow we're we're finally here we're finally doing it and uh yeah just excitement to to get the season started i think you know our first time on the ice together it was an exhibition game i think we scored and and that was a great way to to start it off
1: there you guys were at that point probably like oh this is why the cedines are so good
3: <laughs> yeah. well alright like, like def- definitely, you, you kind of feel like you have a sense of, of where he is. And, and I'm by no means comparing us to, <laughs> you know, identical twin future Hall of Famers. But, you know, there, there is that sense of you kind of understand kind of the other person and how
1: they play and where they'll probably be. And I'm sure it also made it a little bit easier transitioning to living over there, having somebody that you, you know, grew up with. It makes it easier to transitioning to a completely new culture as well. Absolutely. I think, you know, when I look back,
3: you know, played 14 years professional and, um, you know, it, it, it's like the, the the experiences that I've got and I've gained from playing a game is is amazing. You know, I would never have moved to Europe otherwise. I would never have been able to, you know, travel around Europe on a, on a, on a day off because everything's so close. So, so, yeah, and, and my brother, uh, his, his boys were really small at the time, but being able to be around my nephews and just having that family close by, it was a great experience.
2: A few moments ago, you had mentioned that uh, one of your uh, few games played in the NHL was at the Igloo in old Civic Arena. I just got to know if there's anything you remember about playing there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was, it was a terrible arena. You know, and this is coming from my perspective from the visiting hockey team. So, you know, you have this tiny little room and, you know, you get called up to the NHL for for one. And, you know, and then you end up being in this tiny little room and you got to skate across the ice to to your bench and like it's an older building. So you know it you're you're more than excited to be there you're in the nhl and and but you know if you're if you're going to look at the rink itself it was definitely definitely time for pittsburgh to to upgrade in my yeah. opinion
2: yeah and i pulled the game up i found it on uh hockey reference it was a 4 to 1 victory for the canucks so uh you had that going for you at least
3: <laughs> yeah i think I was I was a plus one in that game, and I remember yep. that because uh, a couple of my previous games I was minus one, and so I was just excited to you know be be on the ice when we scored, and and I, I think if I recall, Mario Lemieux was on the was on the was on the team that year. He played that year, but he didn't play that game. So you know would it would have been cool to to play against Mario and you know, and it was, you know, pre Crosby. So, yeah. you know, in that kind of in between area, but, but like I said, it's, you know, it was a definite um honor and thrill to, to play in the NHL, you know, regardless of where the game is and, and, and who you're playing. Yeah.
1: And we move forward to today. And now here you are launching the life after hockey podcast. I'm for one, am very excited to tune into episode one here on the hockey podcast network. So just, tell us a little bit about what the show is going to be about and and what listeners can expect when they tune into you.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I, I had, um, you know, from my own experience of, of life after hockey, I think about, um, my journey transitioning from professional hockey to, uh, something else, whatever that is in your life. And, and that was kind of a a difficult transition for me personally some guys can do it a little more seamlessly and it, it was there's just a lot of a lot of change and um, you know change in jobs change in uh, location um, I had a young family at the time uh, my dad passed away during that time and and and, and you know to, to get real and raw like I was actually um, also going through my own separation, divorce, clearing up infidelities that I had in my marriage, and that's just my truth. So, you know, all these things that were happening, it, it was it was a difficult transition. So the not to make the podcast about me, but I'm curious about what other players' experiences have been. You know, some guys have have been up to different things, and and. I also want to give those players, those guys that have been creating cool stuff, a platform to to share what they've been up to. So, um, you know, I'll I'll share. I'm 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 actually, um, you know, I'm scheduling interviews right now, Mm -hmm. and and I just but I want to share like some of the people that I've kind of reached out to, and they've said yes, I want to do an interview. So. To 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 give a flavor of, of what it, of what I want to bring to the table, like I'm I'm going to be talking to Corey Hirsch, and Corey Hirsch is very much into um, mental health and wellness, and he's very open about his own mental illness. Uh, I want to talk to and been in communication with Jordan Tutu, who you know first uh, Inuk descended player in the NHL, and and he also has a nonprofit that that focuses on suicide awareness. Um, and then another uh, recent player that I've been connected with is Brock McGillis, who is uh, an equality activist and um, the first male hockey player to openly come out as gay. So like, these are just some, some big topics that I want to create a platform and just a conversation um, that first of all, how is your journey? You know, how's life going after hockey? What are you up to? And then, you know, also get into some fun stuff too and, and, you know, find out what, uh, you know, some of the guys that have gone into coaching and and that kind of thing as well. But um, just really to focus the conversation to to mainly um, provide a platform to help other players that may be going through the same thing, that may be going through the same, they may be approaching life after hockey in the next few years, but also, you know, we, we all go through stuff. So if anyone can take something away from these conversations, like that's the intention of it, to, to just open up to some real conversations and, and you know, share and, and provide support.
1: I think I speak for, for everybody here at the network that says we are glad to have you here with us. We are excited about what you have in store. We're excited that you are going to start your next journey in life, which is the podcasting world. And we're just all Very excited overall just to have you here with us here at the Hockey Podcast Network. Before we let you go, I do want to uh, ask you just to share your social media. That way our listeners know where they can find you. And then anything else that you have coming down the pike. I know you talked a lot about the Life After Hockey podcast, but if you have anything else that you want to plug, this is your time. You have the stage.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be sharing all my links and podcasts uh, links on my Instagram and Twitter. And they're both Brad M Lieb at Brad M Lieb for both platforms.
1: That's awesome. Well, like I said, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate you carving out some time this afternoon to talk with us. And once again, we're so excited to have you as part of the network. Thank you again.
3: I I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. You guys are doing a great job and, and yeah, just happy to be part of the family.
1: Massive thank you again goes out to Brad Lieb for joining the show. You guys can check him out on social media, like he said, and also keep an eye open for episode one of the Life After Hockey podcast. It was a genuine pleasure getting to talk to Brad, and we're very, very excited about what is to come for him and his podcast. But as we move along here on episode 79 of the Tip of the Iceberg, we are going to give you another network show advertisement of one of our shows this week we're going to give you an advertisement of the bolts broadcast covering the 2020 stanley cup champion tampa bay lightning listen in do
4: you want a true champion's perspective well come on over to the bolts broadcast where we talk about the tampa bay lightning have some friendly banter and of course hockey name of the day if you pronounce it you can get it. Anthony Neunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it right. That's what, An- Anthony Anthony Neunschwander. It's it's N E U E N, it's Neuenschwander. Anthony Neuenschwander Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on.
2: You only took it for four years. I took it for two.
4: You took it for two years? Oh no, J Don't yeah. took it that long. I, I took it for two years and was like asleep in all of German too. Oh, you, you, only, you only took it in, in
2: uh, junior high. You didn't take it yeah. in high school at all.
0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 79 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Brulanski, and as always, I am joined by Nicholas J. Horwat, currently sporting an L.A. Kings hat. How's it going over there, buddy? Good.
2: Uh, Everyone's favorite or least favorite prodigal son just got sent to the Kings today. That's why I'm wearing this hat.
1: Yeah, I figured it was, and of course you're mentioning Ole Mata being traded for the second time in two years now. He's headed to L.A. At least he'll have some better weather so he can lay out on whatever terrace that he gets in his apartment with no shirt on and pass out with his jerseys next to him. How, m-
2: how long into the season before we hear, is Ole Mata a better defenseman than Drew Doughty?
1: Hopefully never. Ooh,
2: Yes, really.
1: Mainly because I don't really want to hear about the L.A. Kings at this point.
2: Oh, All right, that's fair. Uh, Other than that, though, doing good. I watched your guys' After Hours last night. I watched Mm -hmm. part of it, at least most of it, a little bit in the beginning. Uh, We have a new Nick in the network.
1: We do. Nick Floor from the Stick Hungry podcast covering the San Jose Sharks.
2: Uh, So there's three of us now, unless I'm missing one that I don't know.
1: I don't think there's another one. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. Being the operative, (laughs) operative word there is yet.
2: Yeah. And, uh. That was a good episode. If anyone has the time, go find it, go listen to it. It's on YouTube now. It's where I watched it uh, Mm -hmm. this this week. And, yeah, I was just really tired last night and just didn't have the energy to hop on. Plus, I had to work this morning, so.
1: Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. We have a stacked show for you guys today. Of course, recent news for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They re-signed goaltender Tristan Jari, which is big news. That also means that somebody... Might be getting traded here in the near future. Also, we're going to talk about expectations for the Pens next season, as well as an interview that we did with a new contributor here on the Hockey Podcast Network, Brad Lee, who is a former NHL player and played over 800 professional hockey games in his career. So we'll have that discussion with him Coming up, and of course, finishing it off with Penn's poll and shout outs and call outs. But let's get into the leading story of this week for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins resigning Tristan Jari to a contract that will run three years at a $3.5 million average annual value. Horwat, what are your thoughts on this signing?
2: It's exactly what we wanted. It's exactly what we were all expecting. Um, it is step one, and what I believe is a two step process in selecting our goalies for next season, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I think your tweet said it best. It's, what did you
1: say, a year longer and cheaper? Whether or not this was an actual reporting that this is actually what they were asking, but it was reported that Tristan Jari's camp wanted a two-year deal, $4 million average annual value. So we got him for an extra year, which walks him through his first year of unrestricted free agency. And we got him for a little bit cheaper at three and a half instead of four. So every penny counts right now for General, general manager Jim Rutherford. So I think he did a really good job with this signing. And I think... It's a it's a bridge deal and it's really Tristan Jari. Okay, you had an all star season last year. Let's see what you can do in the next three years. And if he does do that well, that's going to mean something pretty big for him in three years' time. Mm-hmm. It's the
2: type of deal goalies should be signing, considering how just volatile they can be, and just mm-hmm. how like we saw Sergei Bobrovsky, two time Vesna winner, signed a signed king's ransom in Florida and do absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. to the point where ownership said you need to cut exactly his amount of salary (laughs) off the budget so it's the kind of deal that's good for a goalie organization wise because you never know what's going to happen with goalies they could be for all we know Jari could fall off the face of the earth next season and we're screwed we're hoping that doesn't happen and we don't think it will But that is just how goalies are. They're interesting. They're strange creatures. It's damn near impossible to get a read on them. But for now, if we're predicting Jari to be what he's supposed to be, it's a great deal for us, and it's perfect because it's not 80,000 years.
1: The important thing with the years, though, is if he was asking for two, that would have put the Penguins in a really... Interesting predicament, because in two seasons, the list of names of players that are going to be up in contract, and yes, they still could get extended before they reach free agency or restricted free agency, but listen to these four names that are going to be contracts up at that season, if Jari were to take two years instead of the three. Evgeny Malkin, Brian Rust, those two are UFAs, Kasperi Kapanen and Jared McCann are both RFAs, And then Chris Letang is also a UFA. So this at least gets us past that year till we have to worry about our contract with Tristan Jari again. So that'll be in three years time. That'll be the same time that Jason Zucker's deal ends. And that'll be five and a half million that either you can take off the books with Jason Zucker and help pay for Tristan Jari if he earns a raise at that point. But again, that's a problem for three years down the road. But it is nice to know that we won't have to worry about signing a goaltender who could end up commanding a good Rays here, the same time we have to re-sign Malkin, Rust, Kapanen, McCann, all those names. So this is really important for Rutherford that he got this for three years instead of two.
2: It is. It's it's a good deal, because for all we know, by how things are going, this team could look way different in, in that final year. That third year, we could be discussing a team that doesn't have Malkin, that doesn't have Letang on it, that who knows, may have gotten some sort of return for a Rust trade or... This team could be a completely different team in the next couple of years. It's something to look out for. It's something that Josh Yoey, I believe it was, wrote about our window closing in the athletic. And he said it's basically got two years because after that, we don't know what the hell is going to happen exactly.
1: At that point, we might even actually have a first round pick to make. In three years' time. So we'll see, of course, with all of that. I think the Penguins did a good job in making sure that they had Tristan Jari signed now. The focus goes on to trading Matt Murray, I would imagine so. And realistically, I'm not sure what the market is for Matt Murray right now. It's going to be really hard to find him because you have all these unrestricted free agent goalies and you have these other goalies that are on the trade market that actually have contracts and you don't have to worry about salary arbitration or anything like that. So it's going to be an interesting stretch here for the next week to three weeks to see if Jim Rutherford can move Matt Murray. It
2: seems like it's going to happen. I mean, there was a tweet or something. I forget what it was that said, uh, other NHL GMs don't look at Jack Johnson the same way fans do. That is a good sign to yeah, start. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> um, but that's a good sign for one, and I mean, Jack Johnson's one of those guys that he's had a hell of a story off the ice that you, I, every time I say something, I feel a little bad about it. Every time I feel like say something shitty about Jack Johnson on the ice, I feel a little bad because he's gone through some shit. But, I mean he's not a great player and I hope for the best hope the hope for the best for him off the ice wise and you know if he goes somewhere else I wouldn't mind seeing him be at least a little successful and being a good hockey player again it's it sucks seeing that his career went downhill because like I said he was a I mean he was a number three overall pick mm-hmm. we gotta remember that and you know you just hope for the best for the guy off the ice but as for on the ice damn it it's time for him to go
1: speaking of that draft, Last week, Bobby Ryan was bought out by the Ottawa Senators. So, what would you think about possibly having the first, second, and third overall pick from the 2005 draft on one team?
2: That'd be so damn interesting, because Bobby Ryan's not a terrible player yet. Yet he
1: wouldn't be awful as a third line guy, right? Especially if it's league minimum.
2: Absolutely, I don't hate it, but I don't know what his speed looks like. And I'm telling you, I'm I'm looking at every acquisition we make as speed and age like that's what i'm looking at here younger faster younger faster that's what we've been like hard pressed to like look at into this Mm offseason as for younger we know he's not younger as for faster i don't know his speed exactly maybe he's got legs under him still but i don't know how i feel about that one exactly that's a hard one
1: Since we've gone down the rabbit hole of people that have been bought out and the younger, faster thing. Now, he might not be younger, but also Michael Grabner was bought out by the Arizona Coyotes. So what would you think about possibly? I mean, he's a speed demon himself, and I don't know. He had some finish a couple years ago. He had a rough season this year, but as a bottom six guy, I'm not necessarily sure I hate it all that much again depending on the contract it yeah. has to be either league minimum or 1 million dollars you can't afford to pay a guy like michael grabner to take a chance on a guy like michael grabner if he's going to anchor down your salary cap but i honestly don't hate the move if it is for the right number and i also don't want him to sign more than a year maybe two years it would be pushing it but again if it's two years it needs to be at exactly league minimum
2: michael grabner's an interesting one because i feel like he would request way more than what you're thinking is he still worth over, like two, three, four million dollars?
1: Uh, let me check really quickly what it was. Yeah, what was he making? for the Coyotes? I'll look that up real quick on what, Cat Friendly. What were the but, Coyotes I
2: mean, not sending him?
1: Yeah, exactly. Let me look right here. Buyout history. Michael Grabner. I mean, this year the Coyotes will have to pay him eight hundred thirty-three thousand dollars, and next year one point two million dollars. It was a $3.35 million AAV.
2: Really? Okay. I,
1: and that was... He also got bought out, so he's getting paid yeah. by the Coyotes right now. So we think, but... I. Well, but that's he's supposed not supposed to be there. getting paid by the Arizona Coyotes right now. I don't know. I just don't think that I would hate that if it's for the right price. I
2: think I would like that one for the right price more than I would Bobby Ryan. There's less question marks with that. Bobby Ryan, you're like, it's it's a good player, yeah, but we've seen him just take a severe decline. Now, maybe his recent issues off the ice changing, maybe that can play a role. Mm -hmm. Maybe like he has a turnaround, but for now, I think the way I look at it is Grabner is at least less question marks. So I think I would like Grabner more than a Bobby Ryan, but either way, like I said, Bobby Ryan, not as much Grabner. You hit me with the right price. I'm, I'm listening.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the expectations for the Pittsburgh Penguins next year. I mean, Let's first look at overall what do you expect from the Pittsburgh Penguins? I get that they want to get younger and faster, but is that something that you can see happening and do you see the Pittsburgh Penguins being able to once again be the class of the Metropolitan Division or top 3? What are your what are your thoughts as of right now? I know there's a lot of moves Left to be made in this offseason. I know that GMJR will never rest until his team is exactly where he wants it, and it's not there right now. So there's a lot of stuff that's gonna happen. But as of right now, where do you see the Penguins being next year?
2: If the lineup shakes out the way I kind of want it to, uh, we're definitely not finishing number one in the division. Just because Washington is still a regular season thing and Tristan Jari being the new number one is going to be a different role to fill for him I wouldn't expect the balls to the wall season he had last year to repeat itself but at least some success he'll definitely have some success this season so I would think maybe we're coming in at two or three in the division again same as we usually are just with a little more of a worriness to it it's not going to be like oh we're fine we're going to sit back and watch this. And I feel like this season's going to have a little bit more of a intensity to it because we've been shelled in the first round for two straight years. And because there's been so much just bullshit happening this season, how much changing there is, it's going to take a minute to regroup as a team and really get fresh legs out there. So it might take a minute, but it's, it's not going to be a sit back and just wa- watch us go season. It's going to be a season where we're going to be doubted again, guaranteed. There's going to be those doubters again calling us not like they're going to say we're not going to make the playoffs that our windows closed this that the other thing. It's going to be a season where we're once again trying to prove all that wrong to make the playoffs. And like I said, a second or third place finish I'll take and it won't be an easy one. But it it will be a fun one at least. It'll be tense. It'll be interesting. It'll be playoff hockey all year long. Maybe that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it.
1: It's going to be interesting, depending upon whether or not they end up with the 82-game schedule or the 48-game schedule, as we talked about a little yeah. bit last week. I mean, they're not a team that traditionally starts well in the first place. And that's even when you have a team that has played together, that has been able to have the chance to mesh. Now you're bringing in a lot of new players. You have Sevier joining the crew. You have in, You have Matheson as well. These guys, like you said, are going to take a little while to mesh, plus Tristan Jari getting used to being the guy. There's going to be some growing pains in that, almost definitely. So it's going to be a slow start. I think that's what you can expect by the Penguins, but I, I totally agree with you in that they're going to be in the top four in the division. The question is going to be if they can mesh fast enough to be able to get to that two seed, possibly contend for the one seed. But the issue that I see right now is the rest of the division is, is going to be really difficult to beat. The way I look at this right now, there's a lot of goaltending prospects out there in free agency and out there for trade. If Carolina can scoop can one on of them up, any of them, any, they of them. will be a top 3 team. The Rangers, I'm not sure what they're going to do. They're going to be really good. They were pretty good this year. And people didn't really give them their due, but they're going to be really good next year, especially now that they finally figured out what they're doing in goaltending. And they're also adding Alexi Lafreniere, which of, co- of course I say it so many times, but it cannot be understated that this kid is not your run of the mill. Not not to say that Jack Hughes is run of the mill, but he is a step above the Jack Hughes and the Nico He Shears. Not that they're bad players, but he's going to make an impact a lot quicker than those players have. So, It's going to be a tough division. And of course, you know what? The Capitals, they're there. Uh, It's going to be a tough division. I think the Penguins, like you mentioned, maybe two, maybe three. I could see them getting a wild card spot as the four seed. But the issue I have is whenever we talk about if there is Stanley Cup contender Horwath, do you see the Pittsburgh Penguins as they are now as a contender for the 2021 Stanley Cup? I believe so. Serious contender, I should say.
2: I believe so. I mean, the easy answer is, Never count out Malkin and Crosby.
1: Starting back uh, Yeah.
2: At least Crosby. Never count him out. He'll carry a team anywhere he wants to go. But beyond that, I think if this, if this team gets built just the right way and it's getting there, it's on its way to that, I think it's got a great opportunity at it again. I mean, we got those two years left with Malkin and Latang. at least. It is definitely something just to keep an eye on, but... Yeah, I think we still have a chance. I really don't have too many words on it other than I think we can still contend, and it's going to be up to Malkin and Crosby to still be the best players in the league and for you know the depth to figure it out, but they can do it.
1: They're going to make the playoffs next season. That There's not a doubt in my mind. You cannot count out Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin when it comes to getting the Pittsburgh Penguins into the dance. From where I'm at right now, from where I'm sitting, looking at this team, and from looking at the performance that they have shown in the past two playoffs, I cannot in good conscience, call them a serious Stanley Cup contender right now. That's prove fine. me wrong, please. I'd love yeah. that. But this past playoffs, what happened against Montreal the year before, what happened against the Islanders, even the year prior to that, they didn't look all that great against the Washington Capitals. And yeah, they beat the crap out of the Philadelphia Flyers in the first round, but the, that Philadelphia Flyers team was prematurely in the playoffs at that point. They were not ready for the playoffs. They just, they got in and good on them, but they were not ready for the playoffs. Now, the issue I have here is, with people that are like, well, it's Sidney Crosby, it's Evgeny Malkin, you can never count them out in the Stanley Cup race. Yeah, I, I I think I can when I've looked at the past two seasons, and I look at the fact that they are now older, than they've ever been. Clearly, that's how math works, and that's how the world works. 34 and 33 years old, respectively. No, they're not a serious Stanley Cup contender until I can see them do it in the playoffs again. And you can say, yes, well, you know what? In 2017, they won the Stanley Cup. How do you not give that? Well, okay. In 2017, the Ottawa Senators were also in the Eastern Conference Finals. We see what two years can do to an NHL organization. So until they can prove me wrong... I'm not going to be able to stick my flag with them as serious Stanley Cup contenders. Playoff appearance, most definitely. Most definitely, they will make the playoffs. But to go through that Stanley Cup playoff, I don't, I can't say that they're a serious contender there.
2: I can, and I will. But okay. I get where you're coming from. I understand it. I mean, I've been understanding it for the past couple seasons. We haven't looked the same. Mm-hmm. But it's just a matter of everything coming together. I think by the time a postseason comes if we get a shorter season i don't think there'll be any stopping us because we'll be hitting a stride mid-season for sure yeah i'll start there that's a weird
1: way of looking at things but and i don't know how to go into detail on it i mean usually if you look at the pittsburgh penguins from games roughly like 50 to 70 is when they're really good Traditionally, they're fantastic in March in regular traditional seasons, which is about those games, 50 to 70 and into the 70s and almost 80s. So that's when they usually play their best. And that's when the playoffs would be taking place in this season. So I get where you're coming from with that. Again, I just need to see it. I need to see the success in playoffs to be able to say, you know what? I think I could take you seriously as a Stanley Cup contender. Did e- did anybody take Dallas seriously as a cup contender this year until they went out and beat Colorado. I don't
2: think even after then Vegas was coming in very futile.
1: They were, but at the same time, you still had a confidence in the Dallas stars. I'll put it a different way. Did anybody think the New York Islanders were a Stanley cup contender off of Long Island on Long Island? I get it. They're very loyal, but anybody not on Long Island, did they really think the Islanders were a serious contender when they beat the Florida Panthers?
2: I think I did a little bit. I don't have to keep, just keep shitting on you, but... I,
1: no, think, I mean, no, that's your opinion. This,
2: that, that's fine. Yeah, I like, think I did a little disagree, bit. Literally, disagree, please. I didn't have them... I didn't think they'd go to the finals.
1: But that's what we're talking about. Yeah, Stanley Cup contender.
2: Yeah, I thought they'd at least go far and put up a fight for making it there. So I think they were more of a contender than, we, than a lot of people give them credit for. But, no, I get where you're coming from. Uh, it's that would have been a hard pick to make because it's the Islanders because they don't play a flashy style of hockey and you're not usually talking about them being great, a great team. But they ended up being you know, fairly good team.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the way I'm looking at this is the reason I didn't take them as a serious Stanley Cup contender until they beat the Philadelphia Flyers in the second round. I didn't think they had a chance against Philly, and guess what? I was wrong. But until that happened, the reason I didn't think so previous playoff performances. The last year, yes, they swept the Pittsburgh Penguins, but then they got swept by the Carolina Hurricanes. I I didn't take them seriously until they beat Philadelphia, and that's the way I'm looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins this next season. Yes, I do believe they will easily make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Do I think that they will get through the first round, second round, be a serious contender? I have to see it. I have to see them win a first-round series, and I have to see them get out of the gate really well in the second round And it has to be the way they're playing that can convince me that this team has what it takes to be a serious Stanley Cup contender.
2: And I agree with that. I'm not going to disagree with you on that because it is just a matter of us looking good. We have to do that.
1: I think now is a great time to go over to our conversation that we had with Brad Lieb, the newest contributor here on the Hockey Podcast Network with his new show, the Life After Hockey Podcast. So we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll have Brad Lieb. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawn Mower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you.
0: Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL.
1: We are pleased to be joined by the newest host on the Hockey Podcast Network, a man who has played over 800 professional hockey games, including a few stints in the NHL. Is that good? I think that's pretty good. The host of the newest must-listen Life After Hockey Podcast here on the network, welcome to the show, Brad Lieb.
3: Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks for that intro. Super excited to be here.
1: Well first and foremost welcome to the show and of course welcome to the network We're all very excited to have you on board but my first question of course is how has your time been with the network I know you're just getting your feet wet right now, but how's your experience been to this point? It's
3: been great I, I'm definitely the the rookie on the block and I'm learning as I'm going and I like we just kind of mentioned before we jumped on this call like I I, I love how the network, is supporting so many different markets and has so many different shows for any kind of listener and, and European listeners and, you know, women's uh, perspective. And it's just, it, it's a great network to be a part of and and I see a lot of good things coming up for it.
2: Yeah. It's been great having you on and uh, we've all, we've all been rookies at some point in you know this whole podcasting world, but uh your hockey career started in your hometown of Red Deer uh, with the Rebels and the WHL. And you just got to know, what was it like representing your hometown team?
3: Yeah, it was definitely a privilege. And, you know, I remember going through the Bantam draft and, and which is when you kind of find who's going to get your rights to your junior, what junior team's going to grab your rights. And, and I remember that day I was thinking how fun it would be to like move away from home and to go somewhere else and and kind of disappointed that Red Deer took me and that's just you know I think I was 14 at the time and and you know as you kind of understand how that works and, and so young and, and looking back I'm just so grateful to have that extra time, extra time at home, extra time around friends and family and friends and family coming to all the games so yeah truly grateful
1: for my time in Red Deer. And after five seasons in Red Deer, I mean, you found a spot on the Syracuse Crunch. What was the time between juniors and that next step to the AHL? Because there, there had to be a little bit of uncertainty there, no?
3: There, there was a lot. I mean, I, I wasn't drafted. Um, I played the the World Juniors. Was fortunate enough to play for Canada at the World Juniors in 1999, and and I think that was that kind of opened up a couple doors for me to get some pro tryouts. And at the time, it was a choice between the LA Kings and the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks, were they were open to, they were going to give me a, a a spot at the main camp. Where LA was, okay, you got to come to our rookie camp first. So you know, you always want to go somewhere that you're you're wanted and and that there's you know better opportunity. I thought there's a little bit better opportunity to go to Vancouver. So I went to their camp and, and, yeah, landed an entry-level deal. And, and my first year living away from home, I ended up in Syracuse, New York.
2: I mean, it's still such a great thing to do as a hockey player. Obviously, that is your dream, I'm sure. I mean, I never played ice hockey myself, but always thought maybe I could step in and make make it to the NHL one day. Brilliance, he played ice hockey for a long time, and that was everyone's dream. But you got to live it. And it may not have been long, but you have at least got to make – you know the dream come true of your NHL debut, and what do you remember about that day?
3: Well, I, yeah, it, it was definitely a privilege, and and you know I think you know everybody that kind of laces them up, or maybe even even people that don't, you want to play in the NHL, and yeah, it'd be great to have a nice long career and win a Stanley Cup, and you know looking back, you know I I actually accomplished what my boyhood dream was to. I want to play in the NHL. And I made that happen. So I'm, I'm, uh, you know, fortunate that that happened and, you know, had, had a few cups of coffee in in the show. Um, And it was, you know, exactly what you would think it would be like, you know, adrenaline's running through your body and you're skating out on the ice and all the fans are cheering. And, you know, it's, you know, you're, you're you're looking across the ice, and you're playing against guys that you watched growing up, and and maybe even a few in the dressing room with you growing up, and, and it was just it's just an amazing surreal experience. And so yeah, I, I managed to get five games in the show. I had uh, four with the Canucks, and one of those, and one with the Leafs. But the one game I had, I had one game with the Canucks uh, versus the Penguins in the old igloo. Uh So that's kind of my connection with Pittsburgh. I had one of my five games was in Pittsburgh.
1: Well, you mentioned you did spend a little bit of time in the show. You said perfectly a couple cups of coffee. My one question that I do like to ask some players that have played in the show is, what is the most, I guess, the strangest autograph that you were asked to sign? Like anything that pops to mind that just threw you off guard when they were like, oh, okay, I guess, yeah, sure. Like if it was in a weird place that they just... We're like, oh, you play in the show, yeah.
3: I I I I had to sign, you know, when people want an autograph like on their body, like on their skin, it's it's always kind of funny because it's gonna come off eventually. You know, <laughs> and hope? you know, and it, I guess it's you know, maybe spur of the moment, maybe uh, you know, didn't have anything else to sign. But I always thought that's kind of weird. It didn't happen very often, but maybe a couple of times and and Yeah. I don't know. Maybe just went home and and washed it right off, but, but, but yeah, it's, there there is some strange requests, but it's always fun to kind of interact with the fans.
1: Fast forwarding a a little bit in your career to 2007, you finished the season with the Toronto Marlies and then decided to go and play in Europe and the DEL in Germany. How did that decision come about for you? And, And was it something that you'd been thinking about for a couple of years or did it just come up just like that?
3: Yeah, so my my brother um, also played uh, professional hockey for, I think, 15 years total. Um, he was part of the Edmonton Oilers organization, the Dallas Stars organization. He played a couple games with the Stars. And then he went over to Germany quite early in his career and ended up playing like 10 years over in the DEL. So we were two years apart, so we never got to play – um with each other growing up in minor hockey or or junior and we played against each other in junior but we never got to play with each other on the same team so that was very much part of the pull like to go over to europe to have the opportunity to play on the same team as my brother and and he's a centerman and i'm a winger and he shoots left and i shoot right it was just a a nice uh fit for us to play together and and that finally prevent or uh presented the opportunity to, to, to be on the same team. So, so yeah, I went over there and, and um, ended up playing four seasons with my brother in Nuremberg. And then right at the end of, of my career, we both went to Coventry um, in, in the UK to, to finish off our careers.
2: During your time in Europe, you created the site BetOnHockey.com, and just what was that site and what was your idea and where did it start from?
0: Yeah,
3: that was uh, it was a fun little venture and it's funny that website still um, exists like I don't own the site. I ended up selling it off, but it still exists as you know, the day that I sold it, the, whoever the person that bought it didn't do anything with it. And uh, my my wife was involved in the online gaming industry. So it was just it was just kind of a fun fit to handicap hockey games just to use your knowledge to maybe give tips to people that are actually betting on the game. So hockey handicapping isn't illegal and, and, and actually betting on the games is in some parts. So you're basically just sharing your knowledge of the game and, and insights. And, you know, it was, it was a fun little, little project. I had a a couple um, other former players join me and, and we're, we we're handicapping games for for a couple of years, and 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 then it was just time to move on, and and ended up selling it.
1: Oh, there you go! Can always nice when you can make a payday out of an idea, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and 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 during. And during, yeah, exactly. Uh The one question I did have, since you you played those couple of years in Europe, how different was? The European game to the North American game. I mean, you came up. Of course, you played in the CHL in juniors with Red Deer, as we mentioned. Then you played so many years in the AHL and a couple cups of coffee in the NHL. And then you if you make this switch. What are the biggest differences, at least for you? What were the biggest differences in moving over to that European style of play?
3: Yeah, definitely. the The first um, obvious difference is just this: the size of the ice is bigger in Europe. So you know, having to adjust. that there's a lot more time and space so you can't really play the same game as you do in north america and and at the same time uh playing in germany the the german league has the most um, and and it did at the time i i think it still does but the most uh import players per team so you 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 end up having um almost half the team is imports and half the team is germans and most of the imports are typically North American, typically Canadian, so there's there's a real familiar uh, style of play because there's so many North Americans over there so you know adjusting to the ice a little bit, not so much and 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 uh, you know just having the style of play um, you know the adjustment actually wasn't that uh difficult or 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 too big of a curve i think you know if if you're going to go over to a league like like sweden or um uh, maybe the swiss league like there's a different style of play there's a lot of puck possession and you know they don't like to dump and chase and so that adds to a very different different game so germany was was very similar to, to north america
2: how were some of the off ice differences between like North American hockey and European hockey, like not just, you know, some of the guys you've played with, but also like, is there a big crowd difference? Like how do Europeans handle hockey over there?
3: <laughs> like they're at a soccer game.
2: Yeah. That's, <laughs> what I'm, that's like when I picture just noise the entire time.
3: Totally. Totally. It's it's very much that mentality. It's very much, um, you know, chanting throughout the game and, and, and even fans that will bring drums to the game and they'll come, you know an hour early to set up all their stuff and you know just very diehard fans over there and and which makes it fun to play in front of a crowd like that um and and yeah so it, it's you know you can kind of picture the soccer fan in from the soccer stadium
1: but but in a in a smaller ice rink well we really appreciate you joining us only have a couple questions left for you i know we want to let you get back to your day but The one big thing that you mentioned there that you you played with your brother and that's something that not a lot of people get to do. You know, you play with your brother in a professional league halfway across the world. Whenever you first stepped on the ice with him for your first game together, was there anything he said to you or you said to him or any jokes that you guys made to each other at that point?
3: None that I can remember. I I think, you know, I, I was fortunate, I think, to have him you know, growing up. So to have basically a built-in best friend as you're growing up playing hockey and and interested in the same thing and, you know, to compete with and push each other. And so we're very familiar with each other, even though we didn't actually play on the same line before. So, you know, I think it was just, you know, just the the excitement of, you know, wow, we're, we're finally here, we're finally doing it. And uh, yeah, just excitement to to get the season started. I think, you know, our first time on the ice together it was an exhibition game. I think we scored, and and that was a great way to to start it off.
1: There, you guys were at that point probably like, oh, this is why the Sedins are so good. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Well,
3: uh, like like def- definitely, you, you kind of feel like you have a sense of of where he is, and, and I'm by no means comparing us to. <laughs> you know, identical twin future hall of famers. But, you know, there there is that sense of you kind of understand kind of the other person and how they play and where they'll probably be. And I'm sure it
1: also made it a little bit easier transitioning to living over there, having somebody that you, you know, grew up with, it makes it easier to transitioning to a completely new culture as well.
3: Absolutely. I think, you know, when I look back, you know, played 14 years professional and, um, you know it, it, it's like the 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 experiences that I've got and I've gained from playing a game is is amazing you know I would never have moved to Europe otherwise. I would never have been able to you know travel around Europe on a on a, on a day off because everything's so close so so yeah and and my brother, uh, his his boys were really small at the time, but being able to be around my nephews and just having that family close by, it was a great experience.
2: A few moments ago, you had mentioned that uh, one of your uh, few games played in the NHL was at the Igloo and Old Civic Arena. I just got to know if there's anything you remember about playing there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was a terrible arena. You know, and this is coming from my perspective from the visiting hockey team. So, you know, you have this tiny little room and, you know, you get called up to the NHL for for one. And, you know, and then you end up being in this tiny little room and you got to skate across the ice to to your bench and like it's an older building. So... You know it you're you're more than excited to be there, you're in the n h l and and but you know if you're if you're gonna look at the rink itself, it was definitely definitely time for pittsburgh to to upgrade in my yeah. opinion,
2: yeah, and I pulled the game up. I found it on a uh, hockey reference it was a four to one victory for the Canucks, so uh you had that going for you at least
3: <laughs> yeah, I think. I was, I was a plus one in that game. And I remember yep. that because uh, a couple of my previous games, I was minus one. And so I was just excited to, you know, be, be on the ice when we scored. And, and I, I think if I recall, Mario Lemieux was on the, was on the, was on the team that year. He played that year, but he didn't play that game. So, you know, would, it would have been cool to to play against Mario and, you know, and it was, you know, pre Crosby. So, yeah. you know, in that kind of in between area, but, but like I said, it's, you know, it was a definite um, honor and thrill to, to play in the NHL, you know, regardless of where the game is and, and, and who you're playing. Yeah.
1: And we move forward to today. And now here you are launching the life after hockey podcast. I'm for one, very excited to tune into episode one here on the hockey podcast network. So just, tell us a little bit about what the show is going to be about and and what listeners can expect when they tune into you.
3: Yeah. So, you know, I, I had, um, you know, from my own experience of, of life after hockey, I think about, um, my journey transitioning from professional hockey to, uh, something else, whatever that is in your life. And, and that was kind of a, a difficult transition for me personally some guys can do it a little more seamlessly and it, it was there's just a lot of a lot of change and um, you know change in jobs change in uh, location um, I had a young family at the time uh, my dad passed away during that time and 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 you know to, to get real and raw like I was actually um, also going through my own separation, divorce, clearing up infidelities that I had in my marriage, and that's just my truth. So, you know, all these things that were happening, it, it was it was a difficult transition. So the not to make the podcast about me, but I'm curious about what other players' experiences have been. You know, some guys have have been up to different things, and and I also want to give those players those guys that have been creating cool stuff a platform to to share what they've been up to so um you know i'll, I'll share i'm 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 actually um you know i am scheduling interviews right now mm-hmm. and and i just I, but i want to share like some of the people that i've kind of reached out to and they've said yes i want to do an interview so to, to, to give a flavor of, of what, of what I want to bring to the table. Like I'm, I'm going to be talking to Corey Hirsch and Corey Hirsch is very much into um, mental health and wellness. And he's very open about his own mental illness. Uh, I want to talk to and been in communication with Jordan Tutu who, you know, first uh, Inuk dissented player in the NHL. and, And he also has a nonprofit that, that focuses on suicide awareness. Um, and then another uh, recent player that I've been connected with is Brock McGillis, who is uh, an equality activist and um, the first male hockey player to openly come out as gay. So like these are just some, some big topics that I want to create a platform and just a conversation um, that first of all, how is your journey? You know, how's life going after hockey? What are you up to? And then, you know, also get into some fun stuff too and, and you know, find out what, uh, you know, some of the guys that have gone into coaching and, and that kind of thing as well. But um, just really to focus the conversation to, to mainly um, provide a platform to help other players that may be going through the same thing, that may be going the same, They may be approaching life after hockey in the next few years, but also, you know, we, we all go through stuff. So if anyone can take something away from these conversations, like that's the intention of it, to, to just open up to some real conversations and, and you know, share and, and provide support.
1: I think I speak for, for everybody here at the network that says we are glad to have you. Here with us, We are excited about what you have in store. We're excited that you are going to start your next journey in life, which is the podcasting world. And we're just all very excited overall just to have you here with us here at the Hockey Podcast Network. Before we let you go, I do want to uh, ask you just to share your social media. That way our listeners know where they can find you. And then anything else that you have coming down the pike. I know you talked a lot about the Life After Hockey podcast, but if you have anything else that you want to plug, this is your time. You have the stage.
3: Yeah, I'm going to be sharing all my links and podcast uh, links on my Instagram and Twitter. And they're both Brad M. Lieb, at Brad M. Lieb for both platforms.
1: That's awesome. Well, like I said, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate you carving out some time this afternoon to talk with us. And once again, we're so excited to have you as part of the network. Thank you again.
3: I appreciate you guys having me on for sure. You guys are doing a great job and and yeah, just happy to be part of the family.
1: A massive thank you again goes out to Brad Lieb for joining the show. You guys can check him out on social media, like he said, and also keep an eye open for episode one of the life after hockey podcast. It was a genuine pleasure getting to talk to Brad, and we're very, very excited about what is to come for him and his podcast. But as we move along here on episode 79 of the tip of the iceberg, we are going to give you another network show advertisement of one of our shows this week. We're going to give you an advertisement of the Bolts broadcast covering the 2020 Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Listen in.
4: Do you want a true champion's perspective? Well, come on over to the Bolts broadcast, where we talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, have some friendly banter, and of course, hockey name of the day. If you pronounce it, you can get it. Anthony Nunschwander. Ah, you didn't pronounce it. That's right. up? Anthony? Anthony Nunschwander. It's N U E N. It's Neuen it's Neunschwander. Anthony Neuen Dude, I always slept in German class, so I don't know. I don't know how you expected me to put that together. Come on.
2: You only took it for four years. I took it for two. It took it for two years? Oh, no. j yeah. took it that
4: long. I, I took it for two years and was, like, asleep in all of German 2. Oh, you, 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 you only took it in, in uh, junior high. You didn't yeah. take it in high school at all. No. Yeah, she sent us across the hallway, and it was, like, me and i don't know five other people and all we did was just goof off because it was an empty room of just us while she was too busy yelling at you guys because you guys were a terrible <laughs> class no uh, we weren't terrible class a couple people were terrible people i'm uh, not gonna you. mention names i'm gonna call it anybody in this pod chase crawshaw it was 100 percent <laughs> not me oh boy i know a couple of those names but uh yeah it's a good point chase we won't mention those here new episodes every monday only on the Hockey
1: Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. As we close out this episode, we will have our Penns poll and our shout-outs and call out segment. This week's Penns poll was, with all things from this off season considered, what do you think the fate of Jack Johnson will be by next season? Very optimistic, Penns Twitter this week. They said Traded won the poll with 56%. Still with the Pens, came in second with 28% and bought out, had 16% of the vote. Traded seems to be the general consensus from Penn's Twitter. Horat, what say you?
2: Oh, yeah, it's the general consensus with Pens Twitter. It's going to be the general consensus, hopefully, with the organization soon enough. Um, <laughs> buyout was a weird option because it's going to be the summer of the buyout, apparently. That's what it seems like. Yeah, so who knows what happens there? I mean... I don't think we'll hop on that train as a with a buyout because money.
1: I don't think the Penguins really ever buy players out. I I would have to go back and look and see the last time somebody actually got bought out by the Penguins. It's not something that they usually do to fix a problem.
2: Yeah, that's not how we handle things. If anything, we'll bury it. But no, it's he's not getting bought out. That's long and the short of that one. Um, and as for still on the team. Some people just want to watch the world burn, man.
1: (laughs) Hey, there's a great chance that he is still with the team because we don't have to go too far back to where, as we've mentioned several times on this show, General Manager Jim Rutherford saying, I would like him to retire a Pittsburgh Penguin. I mean, you can read into that as much as you want or as little as you want, but that's still the words that came out of your General Manager's mouth.
2: Although other other words that came out of Rutherford's mouth are, if there was a game today or tomorrow, it's... The three on the left side is Dumoulin, Pedersen, Matheson. Jack Johnson has to either play the right side or not be in the lineup. Those were his words directly. So things aren't looking the strongest. This is the most he's ever put down Jack Johnson in his life. Yeah. And it's a real testament to how much hope this organization has in Matheson. Mm. And the fact that they said Johnson is now fighting for a spot in the lineup shows Mm. how much they put in Chad Ruidl because he was the first name that Rutherford said whenever discussing Johnson and fighting for our lineup spot. He said, said, Ruedel's got a lot to give. We think he can make a difference in this lineup. So who knows what that leads him?
1: Now, Traded, of course, won this poll, and I did just because, I don't know, I felt like stirring some shit up last week at some point. I posted a hypothetical trade that included Jack Johnson And Matt Murray going to Buffalo for the rights to Dominic Cahoon, who the Penguins, of course, had last season and traded to Buffalo in the Sherry and Rodriguez trade. But Horwath, just as a little bit of a fun exercise, what did you think of my hypothetical trade? I don't hate it.
2: Actually, I kind of like it a lot because you got to figure at this point we're not getting much back. Are we getting a player back anymore is the real question, though.
1: What general manager Jim Rutherford seems like he's going to do is he's going to try to get draft capital but whatever he's going to do, he has to open up cap space with this. So no, you can't really retain much of Jack Johnson's salary in that deal. And that means that if you're going to package Johnson and Murray, they have to go to a team that has cap space that also needs goaltending. And there's not a really large amount of teams that fit that bill. So I just threw that out there for some fun. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people didn't like it, but Hey, Maybe I'll keep trying to figure out ways that we could trade Jack Johnson with Matt Murray. But at the same time, it's kind of like an NHL 20 move. That one was.
2: Yeah. I mean, besides the day Jari got signed, I think every team was coming at us in our Slack chat. The Senators came in. The Wild came in. Everyone's like, so how long until Matt Murray is on our team, my team? Uh, Probably not long. Just depends on which one he's which one Jim Rutherford wants to send him to
1: who wants to pay more and who wants Matt Murray more, because there are also other options as we've stated before on this show, there are many other options when it comes to goaltending. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is probably on the trade block as of right now, after Leonard signed that contract. So who knows where all of these goalies are going to end up? Who knows where Matt Murray is going to end up? It's going to be a fun off season. It already has been a fun off season. So Horwath, let's say we get to shout outs and call outs and then wrap this up. Episode up. You
0: know you make me wanna sound kick my heels up and throw my hands up and The officiating was awful. Made ridiculous. Oh, this is just too good. What is your major malfunction?
3: He's
1: a horse. He is just relentless as far as how he plays.
0: I am as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore!
1: Shout outs and call-outs this week brought to you by coolhockey.com. Visit slash THPN and use promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey. Horwath, shout-outs. Let's get it going with that.
2: Okay, cool. I'm going to shout you out, buddy. Oh, shout. out, wow, Thank you. Shouting you out for absolutely cooking me on our Twitter all week. Uh, <laughs> I'm still, you know, putting ice on those wounds. Uh, no, it was great fun. I love – I'm totally fine with getting, uh, you know, absolutely roasted on Twitter. When our last episode came out and Troll asked about that noise I made, I don't remember making it. I don't remember it being on recording. To be
1: completely honest, I didn't remember you making it either.
2: It's a noise I make fairly often, so if Troll wants to go back and re-listen to all of our episodes, I'm sure he can find it a few more times. (laughs) I mean, it it got popular enough to the point of, uh, you guys were talking about it on the damn After Hours show, so... (laughs) But it was a lot of fun, and I'm shouting you out for cooking me and also for your golf game.
1: Way to go. I really appreciate that. And my shout-out this week goes to the king, Henrik Lundqvist. He was bought out by the New York Rangers last Wednesday, ending an era in New York Rangers history. He spent 15 years with the Broadway Blue Shirts, 459 wins, which puts him in the top 10 all-time in the NHL. He won a Vezina Trophy in 2011-2012 season. He took him to the finals in 2014 basically by himself. Yep. That team was okay, but he basically put that team on his back to take him to the Stanley Cup finals. And like I said, he's been the face of that franchise and the class of that franchise since 2005. And he left with class as well. He didn't make it a big to-do. He got bought out. He put a lot of stuff on Twitter just thanking the organization, thanking the fans, thanking everybody. He's just a classy guy through and through. There were some times on the ice where he didn't show that he was very classy and a little bit of tantrums, but hey, he's a goaltender. You got to expect that at some extent. But yeah, my shout out goes to Henrik Lundqvist because the complete and utter epitome of class. And like I said, an era has ended in New York. Now they're going to hand the reins over to Georgiev and Shesterkin. So we'll have to see how that plays out, but... Who knows? Uh, Do you think Hank plays somewhere else next year in the NHL, or what do you think he does?
2: If you're telling me Henrik Lundqvist gets bought out last year, year before that, I'm saying, why are we not taking a jab at a league minimum contract to have him as a backup?
1: Yeah, back then, but right now, I, now I, I think I'm. Now it's too late. Now it's too yeah, late. Yeah, I'm more comfortable with Casey DeSmith, who's 29 years old, by the way. Did you know that? I
2: think I may Casey have. Casey
1: DeSmith is 29. I thought he was a little bit younger than that. I don't know oh, why. But... I would I
2: figured he's a little older.
1: Oh. But. Well. Uh, to each their own, I guess. I guess Should we so. uh, head over to call outs then? I'll go first with this one. Yeah. And I'll let you uh, round out this episode. But my call out goes to the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> Oh, come on, man. (laughs) Releasing their new gold third jerseys. Horwath, you don't like the Penguins gold third jerseys, but I think they're so much nicer than the Vegas ones. I mean, the problem that I have with it is the sleeves. They just, they look completely off. It looks like you were making it on EA Sports NHL and you just moved a color and put it in the middle then forgot to finish making your jersey. So I just, I don't like them all that much. They might look better once they're on, and they might look better once they're on the ice, but as of right now, I just I don't think they're good jersey. I don't have a problem with the sparkling gold and the shimmering gold in the chest piece. I just have an issue with the the sleeves. It just something's off for me. I don't necessarily like it.
2: Dude, I like them a lot. I personally like them a lot. Uh, I think they should have gone with their alternate logo rather than the main one on the front.
1: Yeah, that would have been cool. That would
2: have been cooler because it's more of a different color than the gold. Mm. There would, like, it would more of a splash of red on there. Yeah. That would have been way nicer, I think. But I like them a lot. You, everyone was mentioning the sleeves. I didn't notice the sleeves because I was friggin' blinded by the gold to start. <laughs> <laughs> but once I finally took a look at it, it still just wasn't bothering me. I mean, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of our thirds and our gold jerseys. But, I mean, they've grown on me because I don't care anymore, really. I'm mm-hmm. just waiting for the RoboPen to return. Oof. That's it. That's all I'm waiting on. But aside from that, it's, I like it a lot. I think it's going to look good on TV. That's the thing. It's going to look great on TV, probably.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure it will. And at that point, I'll probably lay off a little bit. But as of right now, just the way that I've seen it, I haven't seen it in a way that I've liked it. If I do, I, I do. If I don't, hey, it's fine because there are other two jerseys or two of the nicer jerseys in the NHL.
2: I don't know how I feel about the gray exactly.
1: I love the gray. I, I think gray is, is vastly underused.
2: The white looks good. I'll say the white looks good. The gray. I just don't know. Also the white mitts that goes with the gold <sighs> cherry on top. Cause any team, right, that, any team that's got the balls to use white mitts. It's A- yeah. okay in my book. <laughs> All right, Horwat. Who is your call out? Finish this off strong. Yeah, speaking of teams that use white mitts on occasion, the Buffalo Sabres. Are you guys really considering trading Jack, Jack Eichel? really really is that a real conversation you guys are having because we'll give you matt murray for him
1: <laughs> go ahead that exact trade that i proposed earlier but instead of Kahoon, just give us like exactly and retain 50 percent of his contract
2: what the hell man I-, I said this whenever we were discussing chris letang and chris letang notably probably not as good as jack eichel Uh, When you have a player like that on your team, you don't have those discussions unless he asks for it. And I didn't hear that part yet. So far, it's just Buffalo talking about it. And it might just be rumors, but all rumors stems from somewhere. So, uh, Buffalo, if you were actually honest to God considering trading Jack Eichel for whatever reason, because not only are they considering or maybe possibly considering trading Jack Eichel – The hockey writers have been writing headlines about Jack Eichel getting traded for months now. (laughs) I can remember sending one to a buddy of mine a long time ago. And it was, like, before we had a a restart. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. how long people have been discussing this. I just still don't get it. How can you... I guess Gretzky got traded, so anyone is available at any time, really. But how futile is your damn organization when you're considering trading him? If he goes anywhere else, he's winning a cup that first year. We all realize this, right? If he and goes- it's
1: no secret that he doesn't want, like, not that he doesn't want to be there currently, but there have been times where it has seemed as if he does not want to be there or he's fed up with the organization, but that doesn't mean he's going to quit on the organization. I don't think that there's a way that Jack Eichel ever quits on that organization, but, but, there might be, come a time where he says, you know what, you're not doing enough and I need to go somewhere. And yes, he is a good enough player that he deserves to be on a team that will give him the best opportunity to get to the playoffs. And Buffalo has just not been it. I'd like to see it happen. Trust me, I'd love to see Buffalo, especially with their new threads. I'd love to see them in the playoffs, especially in an Atlantic division that, yes, does house the new Stanley Cup champions. Yes, it does house a powerhouse Boston Bruins team. But below that, It's very, very sketchy. The Toronto Maple Leafs haven't figured out what they're doing. Ottawa's in that division. You also have the Florida Panthers in that division. You have an opportunity to sneak into the playoffs when you play in that division. And a team that has Jack Eichel should be able to make a better push than they have.
2: No, yeah, they really should. I mean, here's the funny thing. Odds are Eichel and McDavid both don't finish their contracts with their teams.
1: Really, you think McDavid too?
2: Oh man, I think McDavid requests a trade before too long. I've been saying that for a little while now. You know that.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I just don't see McDavid requesting a trade out of there.
2: I mean, I guess the organization is getting a little better. Organizational wise, that they're finally bringing in decent players.
1: But before they're they got finally trying to find a goaltender.
2: Yeah, but before they got James Neal, even it was. It was him, Drysaddle, who really hadn't proved himself full to the fullest yet, mm-hmm. and Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, and that was the entire team. That was yeah. it. It was those three. And things just were looking bleak. And I still wouldn't be shocked if he requested a trade, though, if something else was to hit the fan and they just couldn't win. Like, I don't know, say they don't make a move for a goalie, say they think Darnell Nurse is the second coming and to keep him around for a little while. I wouldn't be shocked if McDavid requested out of there and judging by how Buffalo's going, Michael just might be getting shipped out anyway.
1: Listen, as, as you mentioned before, we talked about Chris Latang and how if you trade Chris Latang, there is no way that what is coming back to you will make you a better team right now, at least. And for Buffalo, I don't know how much longer you can kick the can down the road before you try to at least start competing for a playoff spot. So hopefully they get their stuff together because Jack Eichel deserves to be on a winning team or at least a middling team and not a bottom feeder for once.
2: Yeah, like like I said, if he goes to almost any other team that has a semblance of a good core, they're, they're they're going to the finals at least.
1: Okay, so uh, Jack Eichel to the New York Rangers. That's how we'll end this episode. Someone
2: mentioned that, actually. funny you say that. Someone mentioned that the Rangers are in the middle of a rebuild, just got Kako and Panarin. They don't need that first round. They don't need that first overall pick. They D- don't. Listen, though. But Listen, you, though.
1: I Do you really think that you should switch Lafreniere for Jack Eichel? I know Eichel is a proven commodity that has scored over 70 points several times in this league, but do you – do you really want that, or do you want to see what Alexi Lafreniere can bring?
2: No, I mean, I agree with you. They should be keeping the pick. But yeah. looking at it, looking at that team on paper and seeing what is coming up in this, they don't need it. They do, do need centers. Did they win? Did they absolutely win that lottery and have an opportunity to draft him? Yes, and they deserve it. And Now they have it, they deserve it, but they don't need it. They do not yeah, need that pick. Well
1: as Andy Hammond of the Broadway Boys on the hockey podcast network stated after they won the lottery you don't trade away Alexi Lafreniere there's just certain things that even if there is some logic behind it you do not do and trading away Alexi Lafreniere and the first overall selection is not it it's just it's just not it
2: like i, I mean like i said it's not it's it is an option it's just not one you take
1: Mm-hmm. unless you have anything else I believe that'll probably do it for this week's episode of the tip of the iceberg Horwat, any last comments concerns or predictions for this next week
2: I just I wanted to touch on Tristan Jari mentioning the possible training camp dates that yeah that's uh, right that apparently at the NHL also made public a long time ago but was never discussed until Jari said uh yeah management told uh, me and the boys to be ready for a November 15th training
1: camp date. That's it. I don't, that's a month away. My guy. <laughs> y- yeah. I don't, I don't see that. And and also at the end of that, when they made that public, they were saying if they could get a season start date of December 1st, which they've already came out and publicly said it's, that that's not happening. Yeah.
2: Rutherford did say that we're still aiming for the f- November 15th, uh, training camp date, but it is a moving target all right now. So mm-hmm. expect that to get pushed back. But uh, here's to having high hopes about it being in a month. That'd be a damn quick turnaround. Cause the lightning, which by the way, we didn't mention it just won the cup a week ago.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. This is our first show since the lightning went this- So much has happened in this past week and so much is going to happen in this next week. We got the draft coming up and then we have free agency starting. So uh, our next episode is going to be news heavy.
2: Yeah. I'll be writing a draft review for the penguins and I don't expect it to be much.
1: Yeah, no, that might be about 20 words. We didn't pick anything.
2: Yep. (laughs) We didn't trade for anything. So here are these four guys that they might make the AHL.
1: Exactly. So that'll do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. Hopefully you guys enjoy the NHL draft. The Penguins don't pick until the 70s, something in the 70s. I have it written down. It's 77. 77. So they're not picking until pick number 77 i don't see them being able to trade up in the draft unless matt murray is moved so we'll see what happens with all of that and then of course free agency starting this upcoming friday have a good week, Pens fans you can follow us on twitter at nick horwatt 41 and at nick you can also follow the show's twitter handle at iceberg podcast this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.